0: You to take them and turn with me to Exodus chapter 13. We're going to begin at verse 17. I'm in a weird season in my life. I, I really am. I, if you know me at all, I like order and I like organization and I like things to be all together in my mind the way that I think that it should be. And, and for several years now, I have spent a significant amount of time prior to, prior to the beginning of the year thinking through what I feel like that the Lord is wanting to say to you in that year, and, I, and, and praying and, and putting my thoughts together. and uh, You know, back prior to Easter, I had, I had a whole series of messages that I was getting ready to go into, and the Lord just spoke to me very clearly and said, Don't tell them that. You can tell them that later. I want you to tell them this now. Now, I didn't take God by surprise, but it took me by surprise a little bit. So I found myself in a position... Where after I preached on Sunday morning it was like, okay, now what? You know, what do you want me to say now? And what you and so sometimes God does that. And I had already settled in my mind that the Sunday following Easter that I was gonna go another direction. I was going to launch a series and 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 begin going that direction and and, and I just can't get there for whatever reason. So you're just going to have to bear with me if that's okay. I think that's one of the advantages of, of being in a, a church now for several years. Uh, you're a little bit patient with me. And, I, and maybe I'm a little more sensitive to what's going on in a given season and time and what's going on. Uh, but I want to take you to Exodus chapter 13 this morning. And, and the title of the message that I'm going to bring to you today is... When reverse leads forward. Let me say that again. When reverse leads forward. Exodus chapter 13 beginning at verse 17. It says when Pharaoh finally let the people go. God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory. Even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel Swear to do this. And he said, God will certainly come and help you. And when he does help you, you must take my bones with you from this place. And the Israelites left Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them and he guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud. And he provided light at the night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. Chapter 14. By the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. That's why many of you have a confused look on your face today. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Pi-hahirath between Migdal and the sea, camp there along the shore across from baal Zephon. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused and they are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have planned this. Can you say that with me? I have planned this. In order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. And after this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And so the Israelites camped there as they were told. And when word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds and said, What have we done letting all these Israelite slaves get away? And they, they asked. So Pharaoh. "...harnessed his chariot and called up his troops, and he took with him six hundred of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance." And the Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. And the Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Pi Hahiroth, across from Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. They did what? They panicked. When they saw the Egyptians overtaking them and they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Father, thank you for your word. Enable your servant now to be able to preach in such a way that this congregation will be able to hear beyond my words and connect in the realm of the spirit with what it is that you want to say to them today. I'm convinced as I've ever been that you have a specific and timely word for several in individuals in this house today. And God, I pray that right now as they tune their ears of faith to your voice, that something will rise up in them to cause them to say, I am finished dealing with this Egyptian in my life. And from this day forward, I will walk in the blessings of almighty God and Lord we turn this portion of the service into your hands knowing that your word never ever returns to you void but always accomplishes everything that you send it forth to do in Jesus name amen and amen high five your neighbor and say I'm ready how about you I'm ready how about you amen Can I just be honest with you and tell you that sometimes God just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Sometimes he does things that I just can't wrap my brain around. It just makes no sense to me that we can get positioned and in a place that we've been anticipating and looking for. And then God says, I'm not ready to release the blessing that I ultimately am going to release to you. We need to go backwards and pick up some things that we did not bring with us. Sometimes reverse leads forward. Doesn't that make sense? Now chapters 13 and 14 of the book of Exodus record a very important historical event Which is orchestrated by God on behalf of Israel. This was not Moses' idea. It was not Israel's idea. It was not the king's idea. It was not Pharaoh's idea. This was God's idea. God was orchestrating and putting this plan together. You see, Israel had been serving as slaves to the nation of Egypt for many years. And they were now standing on the verge of something that many of them had never tasted before. And that is the taste of freedom. There are individuals in this house today that it's been a very long time for you. You have forgotten what freedom tastes like. I'm not talking about national freedom. I'm not talking about political freedom. I'm talking about spiritual freedom. I'm talking about getting up every day and knowing that you are free in Christ Jesus, that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I am not in bondage to anything. I'm not in bondage to an attitude or an action. I'm not in bondage to my neighbor. I'm not addicted to something that is foreign to my body. I wake up every day of my life knowing that Jesus Christ by his blood has set me free. And for some of you, it's been a very, very long time. And you've been in bondage to some Egyptians in your life that I believe after today are going to leave your presence never to be seen again. Amen. So God is orchestrating this and they are now standing on the verge of a new and exciting journey of faith that would ultimately lead to their freedom. God was setting the table of blessing and the anticipation was building. Did you ever feel like God is about to do something? I mean revival is about to break out. I believe my family members are about to get saved. I'm I'm beginning to see signs that there's a change in their mind. Their attitude is different. The things that they're doing is different. The places that they're going is different. And I have in my spirit an anticipation that something is about to change. And then God rallies the troops, and he sets us free, and we begin the journey of faith, and then all of a sudden, God says something dumb like this. He says, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back. Now, I don't know, how many of you took driver's ed? Did anybody? I, I, several... See, I grew up in a farming community where the only driver's head that we got was on the farm tractors and on the cars. And and dad's just kind of pitched the keys to us and said, don't kill yourself, boy. And we get in the car and drive. I, I was driving a car onto my own car in the town where I grew up, paid cash for it. and and drove it around town without a driver's license. I wasn't even old enough to have a driver's license, but in the community where I lived, it was just expected. That's the way you did it. But can you imagine Going to driver's ed class and getting all strapped in, you've got your seat belts on and and everything's just the way that it needs to be and the instructor looks over at you and says something like this, all right, we're going to put the car in gear and we're going to go forward in this direction. Would you please engage the transmission in reverse? Now, if you're like me, you would probably look at that individual and say he or she has lost their mind. Because I heard them say, we're going to go forward, would you put it in reverse? I don't know about you, I'm not as smart as I need to be on some days. But at that point, I would think I'm either in the car with a crazy person... Or something has been altered in that car that is going to make it do something that was not intended for it to do. Because you have to put the car in drive if you're going to go forward, not reverse. Because if you put it in reverse, you're going to go the other direction. But just like that car may have been modified to do what the instructor wants us to do, our life has been modified by the hand of God upon our lives. And when it seems to us that we have to go this way in order to move forward and God says, turn around and go the other way and don't just turn around. I want you to go back and I want you to find an example spot right in front of Pharaoh, and I want you to pitch the tents up and sit there right in front of Pharaoh. Now, here's the deal. God had modified and altered nature. It would make sense that we're going forward. We got to go this way. But in God's economy, going forward sometimes includes putting it in reverse, And so he said, I want you to reverse this thing and go back because I have a plan. I have hatched a plan that is going to make no sense to you whatsoever, but I'm going to harden the heart of Pharaoh and when Pharaoh hardens his heart against me, it will come against you, but don't worry and don't be afraid because I've got everything in my control. It's going to be okay. And when I'm done, Egypt is going to know that I am the Lord God of Israel. You see, I I could lead you on right now and you'd get everything that you desire to get. But it's not about you just getting what you want to get. There's a plan that has to be worked that will ultimately show the world that I am God. Hey listen, there are some things right now that I wish God would do. There are some things right now that I wish were different in the world that we live in. But you know what? It's not my job to second guess God. It's not my job to hand him up a fax every day and say if you'll do one, two, and three everything will be just okay. It's my job to stand back and wait and be patient and say God I know that you are working your will for my life even when it looks like I'm going backwards and going wrong direction and when we get in these kind of crazy places with God there are some things that we have to be careful of there are some things that we need to be aware of that we have got to get under spiritual control and the first one is this we have to be aware of emotional instability we have to be aware of emotional instability. Because let me tell you something. When life seems like that it is out of control, your mood can change very rapidly. I want to point, your, point you to, to a few verses. In chapter 13, it, it says, uh, in verse 18, it says, Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army that was ready for battle, they were they were thinking clearly. They had gotten mil- in, into their military uh, mode, and they were moving forward. They had grouped up into the different uh, uh, groups that that, that 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 would allow them to go forth. But God knew that they were not ready for war. They thought they were. They were getting ready for war, but God was. He knew they were not ready for war, and so it says that He would not take them along the. Road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route. Listen, here's the reason because God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Did you ever have the devil just thump you in the head real good one day? I mean, you'd, 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 you'd listen to some big preacher and he's, he's got you all fired up and, and, and man, you can feel it in your bones and you're ready, you're ready to whip the devil. I mean, you're saying all the right things. You're making all the right de- declarations. You're, you're speaking the word of God and you've just got this come on devil attitude. Just, I double dog dare you to come after me because today is the day that I'm going to come against you and beat you as sure as the world. And then the devil comes and he tempts us and we get as weak as little babies. We stick our little spiritual pacifier in our mouth and start sucking like we were six months old in in the Lord. Because we were not ready to take on this fight. We were not emotionally and spiritually prepared to do it. And so God said, I'm not going to take you down the path that would allow you to engage in warfare because you are not ready for it. Now I want you to go forward to verse uh, chapter 14 and verse 8. It says, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh the King of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. now in other words, when they left, they were leaving and looking back at Pharaoh and they had their fists up in the air and said, "What do you think of this now? Just look at here now, just look just look who's walking out of your presence." They had their fists raised in defiance. You know how my mom used to describe that? She used to say, you're just getting a little bit too big for your spiritual britches, son. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard that terminology or not, I'm telling you what, we can just get so full of ourselves and so full of the way that we do things and, and, and so proud of the way that we operate in our relationship with the Lord. And sometimes uh, our defiance against the enemy is revealing the lack of humility in our own spirituality. And, and so God has to set us up so that that defiant attitude can be returned to a state of humility. It says when they left, they put their fist up in the air and defiantly declared, we're leaving this place. But then verse 10, notice. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. Think about that for a minute. They they leave in chapter 13. They're arrayed for battle. I mean they're they're ready. They, they're, they're in the organized uh, troops and, and they're ready to go. And and as they turn around and give Pharaoh one last look, they throw their fist up in the air and they said we're leaving here we've defeated you and then just a couple of verses later Pharaoh says get my horse get my chariots I'm going after them we shouldn't have ever let them go in the first place and Pharaoh starts pursuing Israel and when Israel looked around and saw them coming the scripture says they panicked I know some people like that Man, you talk about faith-talking people. They can talk the game until the devil shows up. And then all of a sudden, when the devil shows up, panic hits. I'm not as tough as I thought I was. I'm not nearly as manly as I thought I once was. And so their emotional stability is all over the place. And then they start saying things like this, they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here in the the wilderness to die? What have you done to us? Weren't there enough grains for us in Egypt? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? Leave us alone. Let us be slave to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. And just a few minutes before, they were saying, look at this payroll. You see that? That's a knuckle sandwich. And I'm going to plant it right on your nose. I'm going to splatter your nose in such a way that blood flies everywhere. Reminds me of when I was in school and there was a kid there named Butchie Kelly and he was, he was Butchie was the, he was the class bully and he'd bully everybody. And, and, and Butchie'd say, I'll tell you when school's out, you, I'm gonna get you back behind the school bus and I'm gonna put a hurting on you like you had never been hurt before in your life And one of these days. I'm gonna get you. And so one day we decided we were gonna get Butchie Kelly back. We discovered that Butchie, Butchie liked prunes. And so on prune day at school, Everybody said, I don't like prunes. And Butchie said, I like prunes. Can I have your prunes? Oh, yeah, you can have my prunes. And somebody else down here, I don't like prunes. And Butchie would say, I like prunes. And he'd have my prunes. I don't remember now, but it was somewhere over 40 prunes that we got into the stomach of Butchie Kelly. He went home early that day. You see, I knew I could never beat Butchie up, but I didn't have to beat him up. I got great joy just seeing him run back and forth to the bathroom one afternoon of my life. Butchie Kelly and our emotions just get out of check and it's like I'm afraid and and then I'm full of courage and then oh yeah devil I'm coming after you and then we start speaking the word and we start believing by faith and then the devil says boo and we say oh I didn't mean it I'm sorry devil just leave me alone don't really don't mess with me it's Monday I don't need more trouble I was just kidding with you I know the preacher preached and tried tried to build faith in me and I was trying to live faith I, I was trying to speak it I was trying to do all that, but I don't really want to mess with you. Please just leave me alone. And our emotions get up and down and up and down and up and down. And then in verse 13, Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still. Watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again because the Lord himself will fight for you. And then notice these last three words. He says, just stay calm. You don't even have to have Xanax. You can just stay calm. Because that one statement... The Lord himself will fight for you. Ought to be enough for anybody. So we have to be aware of emotional instability. The second thing that we've got to be aware of is that we have to observe God's activity around us. Now, when God says to Moses, tell them that I'm going to fight this battle, and all they got to do is just be calm and watch. When he says that, then that that just settles it and God goes to work. We don't have to command God, now God do this and now God do that. God is saying, I'm in control here. You just watch. You just stand still. You just be calm. You just be careful because I am working a plan that will bring glory to my name. And he's working all over the place. First of all, he is working in chapter 13 when he knows that they're not ready for battle. And so instead of putting them on a pathway that would require them to fight a battle, he brings them around another road, even though it's the longer way, it's the best way. And God knows that they're just shooting their mouth off. God knows that they're saying things that they don't have the ability to back up and so instead of allowing them to get into that, that battleground he moves them in another direction Do you ever apply for a job and you say, oh God, I want this job. God, I pray you'll give me this job. Oh God, I pray for promotion. I pray, Lord, that you'll just, but you know, just open the doors and and we start praying and we say, you know what? We're praying what we want and we're praying what we see and we're saying, God, this is something I'd really like. And listen, God does give us the desires of our heart when they coincide with his will for our lives. And then we get the call and say, well, I'm sorry, we went another direction. I thank you for the interview. And then you get another interview and you don't get the job. And then you get another interview and you don't get the job. And you get an interview and you don't get the job. Did it ever occur to you that God is keeping you out of a circumstance that could destroy your faith? But instead of saying, I pray all the time, God never does anything I want Him to do. I I ask Him and He just says no. I ask Him. He seldom ever says yes. to me. i tell you what, I prayed for him to send a good person, a man into my life, a, a woman into my life. I, I need a companion, glory, hallelujah to the Lamb of God the scripture tells us very clearly don't you dare be yoked with an unbeliever but we don't care what God has to say about it the only thing we care is what our loins are telling us and so we go with the flesh rather than by our faith in the word of God but I'm going to tell you it's always better to follow the will of God for our lives he's working he's working He's working. He's working. He's working. He's working. He said, I'm the one that's going to harden Pharaoh's heart. I don't need you to shake your fist at him. I don't need you to defy him. I don't need you to crank up his anger level. I don't need you to do that. I've got this under control. I'm already working on the backside of this thing, and I've got it going the direction that I need it to go. Don't you dare mess it up with your attitude and your disobedience. God has it in control. You know what's so interesting to me? Turn over in chapter 14. In my, my Bible, I have to turn the page. You may not have to. Verse well, wait a minute. Verse, verse 23. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. Now, the water's already rolled back at this point. Chase them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down. Who looked down? The Lord looked down on the Egyptian army. From the pillar of fire and the cloud and he threw their forces into total confusion. I like that. But listen, here's my favorite part. God wasn't done yet. God had another thing up his sleeve. Notice verse 25. He twisted their chariot wheels. Can you even picture that in your mind? God didn't have to do that. He could have hit every one of them and picked them off with lightning bolts, but he said, let's have a little fun here. It's a little bit like playing with the cat. I wrote it in the devotional a couple of days ago. If you've got a cat, you know, you get those little laser pointers and you put them on the floor. And the cat goes crazy and he darts to the right. And then he darts to the left. And then when you want to have fun with him, you, you take your finger off. And then the light just goes away and the cat's sitting there going. And then you bring it back and you move it around. And then you run it up the wall and he runs to the wall and busts his nose right in the side of the wall. Play with them. That's what they're for. That's why you have cats. So that you can mess with their minds. (laughs) Can you imagine? God's up there and he's playing with Pharaoh. And then he reaches down and he grabs their chariot and he wheels and he goes, and he goes over here to this one and then over here and all of a sudden this smart aleck Pharaoh who is getting ready to take Israel out and they're chasing them through the dry seabed all of a sudden they realize something they said let's get out of Here, away from these Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them. Oh, hallelujah! Against Egypt. Let's get out of here. We're in the middle of a dry bed. We're not going to make it, boys. He's twisting our chariot wheels. We're never going to get out of here. And they tried to get out. And they tried to get out. But the Lord God of Israel, when Moses got all of the Israelites out of the water, he said, turn around now and just shut those waters up. And when the waters came shut, the Egyptians were gone. We got to focus on what God is actively doing. Sometimes what God is doing right now is a result of a prophecy that took place a long time ago. Let let, let me show you what I'm talking about. Look at Exodus chapter 13, verse 19. Chapter 13, verse 19. Is it okay if we have the Bible out today? Is that all right? I I didn't know if you guys like the Bible or not, so... Chapter 13, verse 19, it says, Moses took the bones of Joseph. Who? Joseph. Joseph. Is Joseph dead? Joseph's dead. He took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made his sons or the sons of Israel swear to do this. And Joseph said, Now, this word that's coming forth is a prophetic utterance. That came from Joseph many years before. And Moses is now in a position to experience that prophecy coming alive. He said. He said God will certainly come to help you. And when he does. You must take my bones with you from this place. Joseph said, look, my time's over. But I don't want to stay here where I am. I don't even want my dead carcass to stay in this place where I'm at. You've got to swear, you've got to promise that when you leave this nasty old land that you're going to gather up my bones and take me with you. And the prophecy went down through the generations and now here in Exodus, Moses begins to reveal and remind them of what Joseph said. He said, don't you remember when Joseph said that God will surely... Visit you. That word visit there means help you. Assist you. Put his hand to the plow with you. My God shall surely help you and assist you. And he didn't say if he does. He didn't say it might be a good possibility. It might happen if you call the right 1-800 number. No, he says when he does. When he does, there are people underneath hearing my voice right now that you know, you know, that something has been prophesied over you in your life. It may have been years ago. I'll never forget when I was just a kid, my dad had accepted the pastorate of a church in El Dorado, Illinois. It is the oldest organized Church of God congregation in the Church of God. It's serial number is 00001. And my dad went to pastor there. And when we were at the welcoming party, we were out at at the school because we didn't have a fellowship hall at the church, so we were at the school. And, And we were playing basketball, some of us kids, and I was... I was probably seven or eight years old, maybe maybe nine, I don't know. I, I don't really remember, but I remember being out in the gymnasium of the school and we were playing basketball and I'm a little guy and I'm sucking on a lemon drop and I'm sucking on that lemon drop and I'm playing basketball and, and when I did, it got stuck right here and I could not breathe. I could not get any air into my body. And I went running quickly to my mom and dad, needing help and knowing that somebody had to help me. And this was before the Heimlich maneuver. Nobody knew that. And some big guy over there saw me passing out and I literally remember just going away and just just leaving. And this big guy, he reached over and he picked me up by my ankles. And he held me up and he went, and when he did that lemon drop dislodged out of my throat and rolled out on the floor and I gasped for air and everybody started talking what happened, what happened that big old God's guy said God is not finished with this young man yet he has a plan for his life Listen, I'm telling you that God has it in control. He can do what needs to be done at the time that it needs to be done to bring your prophecy to pass that he has given you. He's working. He's working. And finally, in one other thing, Oh, God. Won't you give up on the dream that God put in your heart? Don't you dare give up on what God said he'd do. Because if God said he'd do it. He'll do it. If God said he'll bring it to pass. He'll bring it to pass. Don't you kill it. by becoming emotionally unstable. Don't you kill it by falling into disbelief and unbelief. Don't you kill it by backsliding. Don't you kill it by creating your own pathway. Don't you kill it. Don't you kill it by saying Why did you bring us out here to die? Don't you kill it? Because if God declared it, it will come to pass. And that's the the final thing. We have to listen intently to the promises That God has made. I want you to see this. Chapter 14, verse 13. They've shot their mouths off. Why did you do this? What are we doing out here? How is this going to happen? They are so stuck in the mire. Of emotional instability that they can't get to the promise of God. And Moses says this Don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Today. I've read this passage of Scripture. I don't know how many times through the years. I I dare say hundreds of times through the years I've read this passage of Scripture. And this one statement never connected with me in the way that it connected with me this week. But when I read it, when I read it, I'm telling you, it was like a lightning bolt. And the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, said, Read it again. And I read it again. And He said, Read it again. And I read it again. And he said, Read it again. And I kept reading this verse. Because it says, The Egyptians that you see today will never, never. Be seen again. I, I realize that I need to be politically correct here, but understand my heart, the Egyptians. In the Old Testament represented the work of the enemy against God's people. So if you're here today and you're Egyptian by birth, don't take offense to what I'm about to say. But here's the word of the Lord for you today. It's time for you to let your Egyptian go. God wants to release you from the bondage of some Egyptian that has been holding you in captivity for far too long. Your Egyptian could be a bad attitude. Your your Egyptian could be unbelief. You can't get in the flow of the Spirit because you're too full of unbelief. Your Egyptian could be defiance. You can't be an adult and be at odds with your mom and dad and expect you to be blessed. I'm meddling now I quit preaching somewhere down the line but I'm meddling now the Bible tells us to honor our parents there's not a time limit on it well I'm an adult now I don't live in their household any longer I can honor them if I want to no, no, you can't. God said, honor your parents. He said, but you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. I don't even like my mom and dad. I... God didn't say anything about that. He didn't say, honor them if they were nice to you. He didn't say, honor them if they spoke nice to you. Honor them if they gave you good No, it says honor your mom and dad. And we've got adults walking around in this earth still carrying baggage and hurt and pain and anger and defiance because of something your mom and dad did years ago. Wouldn't you like to get free from that Egyptian today? I could go on and on and on and I could tell you about circumstance after circumstance after circumstance but you know as well as you're sitting in this building today what your Egyptian is and how your Egyptian is keeping you from the full blessings of God Moses said if you'll just stand back and let God fight this battle these Egyptians that you see today will never never be seen again do we know pastor that that actually happened and how do we know well thank you for asking chapter 14 when all the Israelites had reached the other side the Lord said to Moses raise your hand over the sea again and the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and their charioteers and it doesn't say it here but can I add it and their twisted wheels and so as the sun began to rise Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place and the Egyptians tried to escape but the Lord swept them into the sea and the waters returned and covered all, say all all the chariots and the charioteers the entire army of Pharaoh and of all 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 the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. Not one, not one, not one, not one. one. Pastor, will God do that for me? He is not a respecter of persons. Whatever that Egyptian is that you're dealing with today, I came to tell you that if you're ready to be set free from it and hand it over to Him, He's ready to wipe it out of your life. I don't know why I'm telling this story. I'm going to tell it and then we're going to pray. Prayer team come come get in place. When I was young and you know this about me, I've told it before, but somebody needs to hear it today. Bear with me. I loved alcohol so much. I could drink alcohol like I could drink water today. I have family members Got so addicted to alcohol that it literally, literally took their lives. Caused them to suffer liver diseases. And I was on that path. And I'm not here to preach against alcohol today. I'm talking about the bondage that can be created in a life. And I was in bondage. When I was in high school, I worked at the local Dairy Queen and I had people who would bring me a fifth of whiskey or vodka and put it in my car outside of the Dairy Queen so that when I got off work, I could drink it and get drunk. And I'm still in high school. I decided to go to Fresno, California to Bible school, Bible college keeping a bottle up underneath my brother-in-law's front seat so that when I got out of Bible college, I could drink. It was my Egyptian. It was an addiction that was building in my life that I could not get free from. But I had a call of God on my life. God didn't get a lemon drop out of my throat so that my voice would be silenced by something else. And when I turned my life over to Jesus Christ, immediately, 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 the Egyptians. I was around other people who had their egyptian in their hands and i had no desire whatsoever because there was a knowledge in my mind that god has something greater in store for me and that egyptian has no place in my life because that egyptian is going to choke the life out of me that egyptian is going to keep me from walking out of this riverbed and into the place of promise that he has for me this Egyptian is going to work things in my life that will prevent me from being everything that I can be in Christ Jesus And your Egyptian may not be alcohol Your Egyptian may be something totally different. Your Egyptian is just as real to you today as my Egyptian was to me in that day. But the same promise that God made to the Israelites in that day is the same promise uh, that He is speaking to you today. He will set you free by His power. That Egyptian that you brought in that back door when you came in this morning, Today, if you can believe by faith, today will be the last day that you deal with that Egyptian in your lifetime. Stand with me if you will. Spirit of intercession is in this house.